Hello and welcome to Production Wise, the podcast in which we celebrate the greatest, most wonderful, most marvellous music producers in existence, in history, by listening to their complete production discographies to find out what makes them tick, what makes them so marvellous, what is that defining sound. Uh, I am your host, James. I'm joined by your host, Graham. Hello, Graham. Hello. It's nice to see you, Graham. It's nice to see you too. How are you doing? Thank you very much. I'm all right. I'm not going to ask you how you're doing, uh, just because there's not enough time <laughs> to get into things like that at this point in the podcast. But um, I'm very excited to say, and I'm sure Graham is as well. Oh, there's no way of finding out how he feels about it. But this week we're bringing you. Uh, it's about as big as it gets for a podcast like ours. Possibly, we've we've chosen this this particular producer prematurely maybe it would have been better to save him till later but we didn't because we're excited to talk about him this week we're talking about nigel godrich the original fifth beetle very very exciting how are you feeling about that graham yeah yeah i can't wait i can't wait i can't wait um I mean, Nigel Godrich, he's one of those names. Uh, he's most heavily associated with Radiohead, obviously. He's, he's more or less a member of the band, and he's been with them since the mid-90s. Obviously, Nigel doesn't just work with Radiohead. What sort of people are we going to be talking about in this episode, Graham? We're going to be talking about Beck. We're going to be Oof. talking about Travis. You know, we're even going to be talking about Pavement. Even talking about pavement yeah we're gonna get we are gonna get onto some some slight q magazine vibes some glastonbury vibes in this episode definitely um and in fact there's enough to talk about with radiohead on their own without all these other fantastic artists that nigel's worked with over the years that we are again splitting this podcast straight down the middle we're splitting it in two so this week we're bringing you a mega part one next week is a just as mega part two. Very, very exciting. Um, but let's not delay any further. Let's not make the episode any longer than it needs to be, Graham. Let's just bloody get on with it and talk about Nigel Godrich. Okay, so... Um, before we go into the first album, I think it's worth noting that he kind of met Radiohead around the time of their second album, uh, The Benz, and mm. that was recorded at John Leckie's Rack Studios. Uh, John Leckie, a man we probably will cover at some point in the future, he's quite a notable British producer, um, and he, Nigel started off actually as his in-house engineer. Um, so he was pretty much a lot of the stuff when you look at his discography, he's done a lot of engineering and a lot of mixing. So we're only going to cover his production, but he's, he's mixed loads of records in between all the ones we're talking about here. Yeah. Um, I, I think I, um, that's, that's, that's a good, that's a good point to mention at, at, at this stage. Um, because I think he's pretty well known for mixing, Natalie and Brulia and and Zero Seven and a bunch of people, um, and it would be nice for us to talk about that. But that's just not what this podcast about, is it, Graham? That's <laughs> not no. Um, but yeah, that's just this... that's uh, where they met. So recording um, the bends. So he was in there, probably in the studio, just you know helping out. I don't know what an engineer does. So that's my 
idea. Uh, but I do know that at some point they um, they got together and he produced the song Black Star. So that's the only song on the band. Everyone's favourite Radiohead song. Yeah, the only song that he <laughs> produced on that album. Um, I can't remember what that song sounds like. Can you? It sounds like a lot of the songs from the Benz, really. You know, yeah. it's a big, lush, Britpop era uh, anthemic song. I did, I did listen to it. You know, and again, it's you know, Benz is not my favorite Radiohead album, but it sounded good. I don't think it particularly sounded very different, but I suppose you wouldn't want to be entrusted for a day to record a song. Yeah, and have it while turn out. The main producer is away yeah. and, and make it massively <laughs> different to everything else. No, that probably would have been a bad shot. Um, but they obviously got on well together in that. So they reconvened in 1997 for an album you may have heard of. You may have heard of this album, um, OK Computer. What a place to start, Graham. I know. We're kind of starting with an opus. Yeah, yeah. I think the, the opus is opus. Um, yeah, this is... this is How, how are you feeling uh, going into talking about this, Graham? Do you, you know, I, I, I mean... We we I think we both are Radiohead fans. That's yeah. that's that's something I think we could both both agree on. But I don't think I've actually spoken to you about Radiohead since about two thousand and four. Yeah, I think um, I stopped being as big a Radiohead fan around two thousand and six. Two thousand, you know. Um, sure. I've I've still listened to all their albums whenever they come out, but I haven't been as as intense. Whereas I do remember a period growing up being you know listening to them all the time, and this album yes. is a big, big, big part of that. I think I think this album of theirs was the first album that I, I think I like every single song on the album. You know I love every single song sure. on the album. It's a pretty it's um, a pretty watertight yeah, album. Yeah, but it does feel a lot of pressure just because so many people have talked about this album. You know, a lot has been said about it. I do find it interesting that a lot of critics sort of they sort of view this as Radiohead at their best, and they all, it almost changed the way they viewed them following this album. You know, everything right. kept getting, being marked up to this one. But now, yeah, this is back, this is their you know, benchmark. This is also kind of just the beginning, really. Yeah, very much so. And I th- I think, you know, there there are definitely things from this album that carry through to the rest of the discography. But there are things that that kind of get left behind. You know, they exactly. they they appear on this album and they they kind of stay here and we I don't know, we might we might come to some of those elements. Um I think the difference between how a lot of people talk about this album and how we'll talk about it is I think it's other than our own memories and experiences uh it's it's all about what what does nigel have to do with this album um and what does this say for the rest of his for the rest of his career um this so this yeah this this used to be even back when i first heard it when you know in 2003 or whatever when i was 15 this was really painted as one of the best albums ever this album is amazing um and I never really had any interest in Radiohead, but I think I just happened to borrow the, the album off somebody. And it's amazing how just instantly, within within about th- three seconds of this album starting, you're like, oh, yeah, this is amazing, you know? I think, um, yeah, a lot of that goes into Airbag, right? Airbag is oh, well, the ultimate opening song. 
<laughs> yeah, yeah, I think you, I think you might be right there. Um, for me, it's all about the sleigh bells. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, the, in fact, I would say across at least this this late nineties, early two thousands era of Nigel Godrich albums, there is. Do you get this a sort of Christmassiness, a snowiness? It's a, it, like there, there's something so lush and pure and and kind of gleamingly snowy about a lot of his sounds they're so the 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 lushness is so specifically scenic yeah i, I have don't, I, found I, don't that. I, I feel we'll come back to that especially the radiohead stuff yeah in this sort of era it is all kind of wintry yeah twinkly that kind very of very twinkly icy none of it is too sunny no, not really. But I, I, I do think I do think Radiohead get um, pegged as a very depressing band. Um, but I find so much of this album to be really uplifting, even if it's not thematically uplifting. Airbag from the very start is to me quite a euphoric song. Um, the melodies, obviously, but also just the exuberance of the production, the kind of odd electronic nature of it. The little bass line, and again the sleigh, the sleigh bells, Graham. I love the bloody sleigh bells. Yeah, I think um, it's quite an emotional song as well. It really hits you hard. It's it's such it a great me way hard, to certainly. start an album. I think in any other, I think another band probably would have saved it for sort of mid album or, you know, oh. I I think this is part of the genius of this album. Is it really? first four songs are incredible <laughs> they're all incredible songs they, they, but... are, they are rather so straight from airbag you, you go straight into paranoid android which is i think it it's like it became alt rock's version of bohemian rhapsody almost for a bit yeah, I, I agree. It's definitely a bit of a thing, and I've heard it. I've heard it compared to Bohemian Rhapsody quite a lot. Um, Just because it's kind of three songs not... in one. Yes, and I, I think if if at the time, OK Computer was described as amazing, amazing best album ever, Paranoid Android was amazing song, best song. People would really, really talk about Paranoid Android a lot. Yeah, and it was so much more of a wowing, mad dramatic rock song than i ever expected it to be and for it to have a riff and the mad like squeaky squealy solos and things like that um but i, I mean i i've got to say i love okay computer it isn't really the radiohead album that i would really reach for very often though it's not it's not an album i would put on very often i think because it really feels like it's got a lot of people's hands on it you know what i mean it's it's it doesn't it doesn't have that big connection to me um and i can sometimes feel that way about paranoid android as well Mm. but i do think that in paranoid android is where the radiohead sound that i love so much lives and maybe was born as well it's so when there's the main riff that comes in and played on guitar so it plays once and then it kind of plays a bit more gently with with the acoustic chords the keyboards and the bass come in more 
And there, I don't know, there's something about that sound. It makes me think of, like, Playmobil and Lego. And, I, like, Radiohead conjures such strange things in my mind. But, but again, it's that, it's that, like, Christmassy, snowy, lovely, gleaming, scenic something. It's, it's like, it like it, it's as if plastic were good for you or something. I can't, I've, like, I can't, I can't quite describe what it is, but it's in that, that particular point that I, that I first hear it, and it's kind of scattered all over their discography and their various songs and some of my favourite songs. But for me, that's just a, that's just a, a happy place. Um, wh- what are the songs on this album do you think sum up the sound of it best? I think some of the sound of of this album probably Karma Police, mm. um, mm-hmm. Lucky, and Lucky was actually the mm. first song they recorded with Nigel. They did it in about five hours, and that after recording that they were like, right, this is where we want to go with this album. This is what we want to do. We've got it. We've got it basically. Um, and that was after they finished touring for the Bends. So yeah, I think those two sort of sum up the album quite well or like the sort of vibe um i think definitely uh karma police for for nigel godrich is a bit of a, a template for him um the drum sounds you hear on that that sort of very steady slightly deadpan groove um and also the end of the song as well i feel like you hear that kind of elsewhere on his on his albums but as far as like a big Glastonbury Festival massive chorus with you know blokes playing guitars uh, um, and things like that I think you definitely hear Karma Police pop up lots not just for for Radiohead but mainly for Nigel Godrich elsewhere um I I I mean I I kind of I I really think that no surprises lucky in the tourist I mean that's a that's a that's quite a quite a good uh, stretch of an album really but um that that that's kind of that that's okay computer to me it's this sort of slightly heavenly album produced in the afterlife um kind of feeling to it particularly after um climbing up the walls that's a that's quite a a scary 90s uh, uh um uh, trip hop kind of feeling to it and it gets a bit it gets a bit hellish and going that Going from there into this like lullaby, it just feels like going on an escalator to heaven for the rest of the album, really, for me. Yeah, I find um, I think Climbing Up the Walls is my favourite, one of my favourite Radiohead songs. And it also is I can see that. Just how sort of you you've figured out what what part of Radiohead you like the most. For me it's also the sinisterness of Climbing Up the Walls. They sort of recapture that in a couple of albums. The, the, it's a certain bassy kind of groove yeah that's sort of distorted terror um oh but also exit music for a film is is kind of like when post-rock came back like 10 years later or 15 years later it almost feels like that was like a blueprint having or like a for, big you know, orgasmic ending yeah, especially with like mogwai and stuff you know mm. um even though they were sort of around similar kind of time it's just it's kind of a perfect post-rock song really hidden on an indie art rock album 
Yes, yeah. And right no, in the middle as well. Definitely... Like right in the first quarter. It is amazing how early it comes in the album, yeah. Um, because it's a bit, Again, you know, I would have the, ended, the first three I would have songs... I would ended on that. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, I, th- I think if we'd gone from climbing up the walls into, into exit music, that might have been the last you ever saw of me, maybe. Yeah, I think that's um, probably why they did it like that, right? Because it would have been way yes. too downbeat an ending. <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I, th- I see. I mean, exit exit music is is not not an out not a song I would really put on um, because it, I think it it just I don't know. It's just it's just it's never really moved me. It's got that very close mic'd kind of having the microphone in your mouth, very loud vocal that's probably not being sung very loud. Um, and it's pretty bare bones for the most part. The one thing I do like is when those really over-the-top, lugubrious um, kind of choral synths come in. The kind of yes, kind of it's like like it's like death. I mean, it's, mm. <laughs> yeah. it is so pitch black. Um, and then the, the the sort of like all the little chattering voices and like this this sort of hubbub kicks up just before the um the big synth groove comes in at the end and phil selwell phil selway completely owns the song for the rest of it um but i do i do i do like all those little touches that come in to make it something slightly less stark and and bare but it's still bleak and morbid um yeah i don't know you see the, the more you talk about it, it the less this feels like it has a unifying sound because there is quite a lot of variation on it. Um, but you know what? Now I'm thinking of it. I said, I said, um, no surprises. Um, Lucky and the tourist. You're going to hear me refer to my favorite Radiohead song quite a lot. I think I'm going to call quite a few songs my favorite Radiohead song. Just, just, just so we know at this point. I think the center of this album for me and my favorite Radiohead song, Graham. Is probably uh, let down. Yeah. That that that's a that's just a magical place. Um, the, the you know the, the the way it kind of the way it grooves along, and the ease of Tom York's vocal on that, a, a vocal style that I really think gets left behind. I don't think we really see it ever again in Radiohead. The 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 way that his backing vocals are used and the way he harmonises with himself. Um, because I think when we get to Amnesiac and later albums, we'll see that his voice gets used very differently. But the way everything builds, like you say, in a very post-rock way towards the end, and those lovely little keyboards come in, again, it's just, it's Christmas. It's, it's yeah, it's a, it's, a, it's a really magical place. And very, for, for, for a gloomy song, just for me, so uplifting and happy. Um God, this is a tricky album to talk about, is it not? Yeah, I think I think we've covered it really. I mean, it is just—it's a classic album. It's of the entire discography. This is definitely the the most lauded album, right? Oh yeah, un, yeah, un, unquestionably. I think. Um, Whether okay, or not people, well, I suppose know, before we... other ones, but yeah, mainstream. Yeah, this is this is the this is the big Billboard album. Yeah. Um, this is this is the you know, in the same way, Graham, that the, the the novel is not the same after Beckett, the album is not the same after OK Computer. 
Um, <laughs> Niche. Um, but no, no, I was I was going to ask then. So before we, before we move on, because we've spoken about like, what we like about it and yeah. things like that. What do you think is Nigel Godrichy about this album? I think that, that that carries on from it. When you listen to it, not worrying about you know where the song's going to go or you know or even it's hard. But if you listen to it without trying to enjoy, like it's hard to listen to this album and not enjoy. You know, you get kind of swept up yes. away in like also if you listen to it. As you know, a lot of people probably discover this album as a teenager. If you were listening to yep. it as a teenager, then it brings back all sorts of memories and stuff. But if you felt all that stuff out, the extra little sort of sound recordings and things like that, just the texture in the background is very interesting. Like, that's definitely something I've found he puts in all, all most of his albums. He always adds in these little sonic soundscapes and things. Yeah, it's full, it's full of extra little keyboard sounds and glockenspiel and little bells yeah. being hit and extra bits of percussion. Even at the very beginning of, of Paranoid Android, um, the the main thing you can hear is that is that like scrapey stick thing. Mm. But you can you can hear all these little wood blocks being hit in the background. The more you listen to it, um, I also I also think the beginning of no surprise. Well, no surprises in generally is the first like Nigel Godrich masterpiece with the with the glockenspiel leading that song and it just getting lusher and lusher and building up all the um all the um all the backing vocals and things like that I also think there's a there's an aspect of the the sort of color of the sound of this album that carries on throughout I don't know if it's just a personal thing for me but I just hear a lot of his albums They've got almost the same colour palette as the artwork for this album. It's that very white and sky blue and just very, like, clear... I keep talking about heaven. <laughs> I've not spoken a lot about heaven in these in these podcasts, but that that's, that's kind of... There's something very, very visual and tactile to a lot of his sounds. Um, but maybe we'll get into them more on other albums. So, same year... Um, he switches same track. Month. Same month. Wow. <laughs> switches. That must be. <laughs> they must have loved that. Um, yeah. Switches tracks and uh, works with the British. What are they? A pop punk? Uh, power pop. British power, power pop. pop band Silver Sun on their debut album, also happily called Silver Sun. Um, nice and easy. I didn't know anything about these guys. Did you know anything about? Silver Sun? Have you heard no, never, of them? never heard of them. Um, no, never heard of them ever. Um, this is the first time I'm ever hearing of them or listening to their music. Um, yeah, this is this. Still I mean, going, this they? was. So, yeah. Oh, well done them. Well done them. I hope. Uh, yeah. yeah. I mean, would you? Would you? Okay. Having listened to this, would you listen to any more, Graham? Yeah, I think I'd put it on my list of bands to sort of explore. I've got a little list as we do these of bands that I'd never heard of that I might, you know, go into. Um, yeah. And yeah, they've released an album every couple of years, it seems. They've released six albums, five albums since. Um, you. But yeah, what did you think of this album? I thought this was very, very nice. Mm. Um, I think, you know, what? actually, I put, I put it on for some reason when I made my big playlist of all the Nigel Godrich albums. The the songs I took from this were all the demos. 
Oh, yeah. And so <laughs> I, I, did, I have no idea why I didn't put any of the actual album tracks on. <laughs> Every single one of them was a bonus demo track. And I was listening to it, and I was like, this is awful. This is not... This does not sound... <laughs> this is... This is not the usual standard we would expect from 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 Nigel, um, but then no, then I put on the actual album, um, and this was this was very nice, um, very very catchy, power poppy. I, I would say every song had a, had a great chorus, um, and basically every single line has a massive two three four part harmony going on with yeah, the vocals the harmonies in this album are beautiful yeah and you know what, actually when i when i put it on i was like oh beach boys but i think that the the longer i listened to it i was like no this is something else i feel like the the influence on the on the the harmonies is more like a maybe crosby stills and nash 70s thing it's got like a sort of vintage feel to it, doesn't it? It doesn't exactly sound like Brit poppy of its era. No, no, and and yeah, when I was first, when I first put it on, I was like, oh, this is this is nineties British rock band, blah blah blah. Um, but yeah, the 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 influences on it, the actual sound is very nineties, but you can hear these little influences here and there that definitely come from the seventies and classic rock, the Carpenters and and Fleetwood Mac and things like that. It was it was very very nice to hear. Um, and I think this was, I don't think this was quite the, the grand Hollywood production of OK Computer. Um, no. And so you're very much like, it's, you know, how, how good can we make drums, vocals, bass, um, guitars and, 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 um, and harmonies sound? And they make them sound very good. But there are the occasional little Nigel Godrich touches. You can hear his keyboard voices creeping in here and there. There's a little bit of saxophone. There was a little bit of dueling saxophone and keyboard stuff going on at the same time. So it didn't sound so, you know, bog standard rock. Um, but I think I think the main thing is just the songs are really good on this one. Yeah, great songs. And also the guitars sound, the tone of the guitars, they sound great. Mm. Um, it's very they different do. from what he did with OK Computer. Like, they sound... They sound very thick and heavy in this album. Not heavy, but just there's a, there's a nice weight to them. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, even even the big riff sections on uh, Paranoid Android, they sound... They're full of effects, yeah. and they're all squelchy and squidgy and, and stretched out. This and is very I, clean. Even, even, yes, yeah. But I, what, I th- what I think it does well... Because it's so poppy, it could be very wet, and I think it having those really loud blaring guitars works for it to 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 just to just uh, put it put it up slightly above that because it could sound you know it could be this could be no it's, no I was about to diss Ash I was going to say this could be an Ash album but Ash are, Ash, are, Ash are quite good you know they are um, I think they are sort of they were touring with Ash and that there is like an Ashy kind of vibe to this album. Right, but maybe like early Ash. Yes. Yeah, or even a bit of a Weezer vibe. I tell you, I mm. I'd rather listen to this than the Blue album. <laughs> right. Don't 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 tell anyone. Yeah, Brent. I won't tell myself. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, this is a solid album. Um, for me, the tracks that stood out were uh, Golden Skin, guitars in that were great. Oh, yeah. uh, the harmonies in Dumb 
were just incredible, I found. Yes. Um, and then, like, Yellow Light, Julia, you know, they were pretty cool songs. Yeah, um... Yeah, it was just a, it was just a, a bit, just a bit of a, a magic, easygoing, poppy album. Well done, guys. Well done, Silver Sun. Um, so, two years in the future. Um, mm. I think it's worth saying when we go through this now, we're we're not strictly speaking chronological. We're going to do albums in phases and things like that. Um, I think we'd rather spare you talking for a, tol- a solid two hours about the Radiohead discography. We're going to split it up a little bit. And and come back to it here and there. Well, we'll be flipping in and out of time a little bit. But we're going to go to 1999 on the band Pavement, uh, their fifth and final studio album, Terror Twilight. Now, have Terror you heard... Twilight. You listened to Pavement before? Have we covered Pavement before? Not not here, no. Right. Um, so I, so uh, Slanted, Enchanted and Crooked Rain... They're, they're, you know, they're, they're always, they're always on our best albums of all time, best albums of the nineties lists and things like that. And I've, I've never been able to get into those albums, but I do really like, uh, Wowie Zowie. Mm. I think that's, uh, I just, that's, that's one of the albums in the last few years that I've most gotten into. I just think there's, there's so much there and it sounds a lot better than those first two albums for me as well. Um, and I think when I was listening to that, I was looking at their, their discography and did see that Nigel Godrich produced this album. And so I, I gave it a listen on that basis. And I remember at the time maybe thinking, oh, this is this is good. It's not as good as Wowie Zowie, but it's it's good and it's interesting that Nigel Godrich produced it. Um, what about you? Pavement? I was into um, Bright in the Corners, their fourth album. Right. Um, so I'd, I'd listened to that, and I'd listened a little bit to some of the others, and I, I think, and then this one, I think, was the one I'd listened to the most. Um, cool. So I like this was one of the nice surprises, um, yeah, having previous with this one. Um, so yeah, what did you think? I mean, they're quite an interesting band. They're very. When I think of payment, I think of American, late, like you know, late nineties indie. Uh, the the uh, quintessential yeah, me... American indie band of that time. I think I was about to say exactly the same thing you just said. Yeah, they they are, they're like, there are. I don't know what what dictionaries people are reading that have pictures in them, but um, if you looked in the dictionary at American indie band, there'd be a picture of Stephen Malcolmus um, with his little haircut. Um, yeah, yeah. They, they. I mean, it's, with 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 pavement, I kind of like them and I don't like them. So I like. I like their music, which is what's important. But I don't like again. It's kind of my, like my 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 indie problem. I, I I find them to be a bit too, you know, like seeming not to care about things. And I think they can be overly blasé. Stephen Mountmus is not particularly polite about this album and Nigel no, Godrich and working. And <laughs> it's not. And it's a bit like, come on, man. You know. Um, so so that can get a bit annoying, but. You can just hear from the, the, these these songs and these albums. They're not chucked together. They sound chucked together, but they're not. They sound they sound so good, and the songs are so multi-phased and full of full of bits and pieces and things to enjoy. But they're never difficult to listen to. There's um, 
yeah, it's it's not like listening to some. It's not a racket. These albums, they're they're very melodic and pleasant to listen to, while being strange and full of time changes and things like that. Yeah. Um, I think with this one, I I like the more sort of the songs, the more catchier songs. So I like like Major Leagues sure. and Billy. Um, but you just, are a light. Yeah. Graham. <laughs> Yeah, that's a bit of a that's um, a bit of a magic song. But yeah, they're just. I think it, it's such a, it sort of sounds so controlled. Like it's something he does really well. It's like controlled chaos. He sort of yeah, definitely. He sort of waits for the right moments for the song to get a little bit weird, a little bit odd. And so a lot of these songs get a little bit weird. You know, at some they point do. they take weird turns and stuff. They're not what you think of when you think of. I think it's probably compared to the other Pavement albums, they're not as straightforward. Um, sure. And there's all sorts of instruments and things being thrown into the mix. I can see why Steve Magnus probably says he feels it was, you know, o- overproduced, you overdone, know, overdone, blah, blah, blah. But I think that's probably why it, it's good. I think the songs in their own on this one maybe aren't as strong as some of the other songs on their previous stuff. So I think it actually, Nigel probably elevated in this one. It's possible. I mean, th- this is definitely a more pared-down album than, than Wowie Zowie, which is the one I'm most familiar with. That's mm. got lots of songs on it, and they're all very different. And so there's there's loads of variety and abrupt mood changes from one song to the other. This one's much more of an album um, and is a bit of a smoother journey. Um I think I think the thing that I think the complaint that Stephen Malcolm had about working with Nigel Godrich, it seems as though Nigel sought pavement out to work with them um, because he liked them and wanted them to have greater commercial appeal. Yeah. Or he wanted more people to listen to them. And I think he, he offered his work for for free, more or less. I think he, he's like, I'll, I'll work for royalties. And I suppose if you're pavement, you'll go, oh, sure, come on, come on down, you know, why, why not? Um, and you might feel a bit like, we're actually okay, we don't really need, <laughs> you know, we're happy with how many people listen to us and, and all that kind of stuff, we, we get along fine, we don't really need this kind of help. Um, and it sounds as though Nigel, and I think this is the way he is generally with a lot of artists, um, he... he he wants everything done right. He's a bit of a uh, mm. uh, a workhorse, you know. He, he's he's kind of like wants to get a lot out of you and and do lots and lots of takes and get you to chuck out uh, material that he doesn't think is very good, and that's that's kind of respectable. But I think they're kind of like what's wrong with this dude? Yeah. You know, <laughs> I don't know. You know, this little angry English person coming into their into their studio and telling them to work really hard. I think, yeah, Um, he's really good at sort of editing down material, isn't he? And sort of finding the hook and the right things. And maybe that didn't work well with their vibe of just getting on with it. Maybe they didn't like it when he got the banjo out. Yeah, maybe. Um, You know, interesting to note that Johnny Greenwood is on this album playing harmonica. Oh, hello, Johnny. So um, Um, after, you know, the, critical disappointment of OK Computer um, completely universal <laughs> panned OK Computer um, they still stayed friends which is good that is nice well done boys yeah well done for holding it together in the discography I'd say this is 
maybe a bit of a lesser album, um, both for Pavement and for Nigel. Fair enough. I, 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 I've, I've, I'm quite fond of it myself. Um, I just think, I just think you get it in a in a Stephen Mountain song. You get, you just get so much stuff, um, and it, you do get those multi-phase songs that are somehow three minutes long. And I, I, I think they kind of still get that while having the nice sweet singles, like you say, like Major League and Spit on a Stranger and things like that. I, 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 I personally think it's a pretty, pretty wonderful. Nice, nice, nice. Um, I'm quite excited about this next band, just because mm. I've been thinking about this a lot. Um, so, <laughs> and I think you know, it, you know, it makes I've, I, I'm just kind of I think I understand it now. So, oh, you're known for OK Computer. You're known for being this cool, arty British guy, but you know, deep down in your deepest hearts of hearts, you want to make the most like commercial beautiful british pop rock you just want to you just want to knock it out of the park you want yes. to produce yes the band that's going to sell millions of records and not you know maybe he's been to dinner parties and people were just like mm, okay computer yeah i don't know about that one you know maybe he wanted yeah, a bit to hard hear to, uh... you, you know maybe he wanted the school mums and the uh the, the granddads maybe he did. yeah maybe he wanted them to know that he's on the scene um he wants to be friends with everyone i imagine none of this is the case but i'm talking about the band travis well i mean it's it's um i did want to say ahead of ahead of going into detail on travis um it's more boring saying that travis is boring is more boring than travis yeah, they're not boring. So, so prepare to be bored, <laughs> everybody. I don't think they're. Um, I don't think they're boring, but they are certainly okay. They're okay. They're okay. Well, I suppose this is this is uh, this this is kind of what my my mention of Q magazine at the beginning of the of the podcast was about because, you know, this is this is this is a time and a place. You know, where where young men. All over the country were wearing little jeans and little trainers and little woolly hats and little T-shirts. And um, they had a big acoustic guitar and they were writing songs about getting the bus and listening to the radio and, and, and things like that. And people loved it. People stood around in Glastonbury singing along to these songs. Um, yeah, it went down really well it was an era. didn't it? Well, exactly. I mean, that, this, this, this is what these albums are made for. Um, and so I think post Oasis, you had Travis and the Stereophonics mm. and Coldplay and all you know all these all these sorts of bands who 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 were massive um, and are massive still, and probably the least I mean not probably definitely the least massive of those very very big bands now is probably Travis, um, and the two big hit albums from that time that they had are the Nigel Godrich produced once. Yeah. Um, and I think, I, th I just think they were so ubiquitous at the time. All of these singles, some of the singles, honestly, I think I only ever heard on the advert for the album. 
You know when they do a little <laughs> advert for the album and it's like with the with the with the amazing singles, Driftwood. It's I've never heard that before. Um, <laughs> but the the big ones were really big and they were on the t- and you know what if if I if I can almost hear it listening to turn you know it's like turn 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 and i can just hear chris tarrant going uh you know in, inspiring stuff from travis there so anyway this morning <laughs> i was thinking about how wonderful it is having two uh world trade center towers you know just stood there really tall and strong in old new york city and there this afternoon we've got in the studio it's going to be uh anyway anyway so um it, I, it, it's just like if i were to make a a a a crappy TV period drama set in 1999. That would be the you know it, that would be the song that in, like like at the beginning of Groundhog Day. You know it would be turn turn turn. That would be what comes on in the, on the on the radio when the alarm goes off in the morning. Um, it's just very. That was what was going on, was it not, Graham? Yeah, and you couldn't escape it. I think it's not only that you know you were listening to the radio and there were adverts, but it was literally. Everywhere. It was on television. It was tra- it was Travis time. Tra- it was Travis time. Um, I love that. Yes. You know, someone on Wikipedia has has l- labelled them as post Britpop, which I find just very funny as a concept. <laughs> um, like post grunge. They're, they're, they're the creed of, of yeah. And I think you know yeah. Now you, once you mentioned their contemporaries, um, yeah, it kind of makes sense. I, I had a soft spot for some of their singles. I think. They're great songs. They are great they songs. They are really good songs. But listening through to the you know, the rest of the album tracks, I did find myself thinking a little bit like, wow, this is really it's just very it's very run of the mill, the songs. The song writing is very yeah. run of the mill. The production, however, these albums sound incredible. Oh my god, yeah, they 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 they, they sound are like you could use these. I'm sure you could like use these as a template for just like beautiful analog production. Sure. Get, yeah. Like yeah. The guitars are so clean. Yes, they're clean, but they are they're textured and deep. They they yeah. sit they sit nicely in there. Um, so it does it doesn't sound it's clean, but it's not clinical. But in turn, all the echoes and stuff, and also, but it's not like overproduced. He let he lets all no. the songs sort of breathe. It's 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 nuts when I think about it for like a sort of pop rock band that he. I guess it's similar with how they produced the first couple of Coldplay albums. They're kind of similar in that regard. Yeah. Whereas if you listen to a Coldplay album now, there's no room to breathe for anything. It's all just about like hooks and stuff. Yeah, there's no but, air on those albums at all. But yeah, these ones are. If if the songs were a bit more, you know, had a bit more meat to them. If the, all the songs were like the three singles or four singles, uh, it'd be like it'd probably be actually a really good, really, really like really classic album, I reckon. Um, as I don't think it is. <laughs> yeah, um, um, but they are really good th- singles. I, th- I think they're 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 very good singles. Actually, I I, I might be wrong about this. Um, I think the only single produced by Nigel Godrich on the Man Who is. Um, Driftwood and Why Does It Only Rain On Me and the other one uh, I think they're not I think I think he didn't produce them I just them. think they're I Mike Hedges I th- yeah I think a couple maybe I think Nigel Godrich is the majority of this album mm. and then but a couple of the bigger singles but he did do Driftwood 
uh, and I listened to that today, and it, yeah, it's uh, so. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but I, I think you, I think you're completely right. The, the 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 clarity and cleanness, but also the 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 depth and richness and texture and like there 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 is a bit of soul on this album it's not it's not just a big commercial cash grab you've got a very earnest and you know to be fair pretty talented songwriter in in Fran Healy writing big this is how i feel about the world and i want to say it to everybody at glastonbury kind of songs and just making that sound as good as it possibly can um but yes i'm I, the, the the song the songwriting and the lyrics are very very earnest, um, and he's got a real problem with Wonderwall. Did you notice that on the first album? Yeah, he mentions Wonderwall a few times. It's a song. I mean, what? It's a song. It's a. What's wrong with Wonderwall? I, I mean, I, you know, it's like he's, he's listening to Wonderwall, thinking, "I want to make my own boring music." Well, I can't. Well, you know, um, it, it's it, sorry, Fran. It's uh, yeah. Why can't it be my? my yeah. Um, but uh, uh, but so that and that's that's you know that's the, that's the way it is. He also did the man who, um, and I sing was the big single of the time. Oh, no, so I that's mean, yeah. So man who is the first album, nineteen ninety nine. Oh sorry Invi- sorry. He also did yeah, the invisible band. Invisible band. So yeah, two years two years later, and yeah, sing. Yeah. Sing was a big. That one. starts off with sing. That was that was inescapable at the time. And actually, listening to it now, it's a better song than i remember it being because it was just on so much it would drive me mental um you know you just you just if if you're in a car listening to the radio it could it could come on at any moment you know it's you're you know don't don't let your defenses down because sing might just come on and the way it starts i only notice it now it starts off with such a nigel godrich touch that kind of prolonged metallic bell sound Mm. you know you hear those kinds of things all over his albums he loves little bells and chimes and like tinkles and things like that yeah so the idea that this song that would be played constantly on capital fm all the time it starts off with like i'm nigel godrich you know and then it goes into you know the, the song Looking back, it's just so like, wow, what a weird, what a weird thing. I would never have associated these albums with Nigel Godrich, you know. Um, unfortunately, I would say that the Invisible Band is more boring than than the Man Who. Yeah, I, I think the only ones again, it's the singles that stood out for me. I think Side is a really nice song. Um, yeah, Flowers in the Window, very nice. Yeah, and with Side, they definitely felt that there was. Um, like some nice Nigel Godrich texture in the background, in the mix, mm-hmm. sort of interesting sort of sounds and things. Um, and yeah, Flowers in the Window is is a good song. You know, it's it's a well written <laughs> song. It's got good lyrics. It's it's good in it. Um, you sound like you're having your appraisal at work. Oh wow! It's um it was co-written by. It's Paul It's very McCart- good. It was co-written by Paul McCartney. Was it Flowers yeah. in the Window? So that's why it's a good song. Well, well, well. <laughs> That's why. That explains it. That explains it. Um, um, yeah, that makes way more sense to me. Um, yeah, Travis, you know, they get the job done. They did get the job done. I'm not sure they continued to get the job done. You know, I think Nigel was the secret to their early success, to be honest. 
Whoa, whoa, big claim. Well, and, and Paul McCartney. Because he didn't join them for the next album. Who was that by? Oh, like no, two I, people. I, I like to think they're still friends, though. <laughs> yeah, I yeah, just, yeah, I just, oh yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I, I, feel, I, I, I feel like I, he's friends with all of his bands that he's worked with, even Pavement. Yeah. Even pavement. When he rings him up on the phone. I, in fact, no, I did find a quote. <laughs> <laughs> I did find a little quote of uh, of Nigel yeah. saying that he considers pavement to be friends. I did. I, I, there is a quote saying that somewhere in the world. Yeah, I reckon. So. Yeah, he's probably still in touch with Travis. Um, but he's definitely. He was definitely a big part of their huge success in the beginning. Yeah. Um, it, was, it was it was the real thing. If you're if you're if you're uh, listening to this and you know don't don't remember the early two thousands very well, Travis was a part of life. Yeah, that's only what it was we're like they were the, so they much. were the, they were the COVID was, of, they were the COVID of their day. Yeah, I mean that's a bit strong, but <laughs> it's a bit strong. <laughs> they were certainly they they were certainly around. Um, they were around. They were, and, you know they were on top of the pops a lot. Those two albums were certainly not the worst. Uh, no. I, in this um, discography to get through, they're very nice, no. they're easy to listen to. That's the only problem. They're just, no. they're just, they're too easy. They're just. They're, yeah, they're too, you know, they, they, they get to the point where you're so comfortable in these albums, you just are like, did three songs just go by? I didn't even notice. Yeah. Um, um, so that's Travis. Uh, there you go, the, Travis. The next one is a, a big one, I feel. For the time and the band, us, probably. I imagine this is a big oh, one yeah. for you. It's quite a big one for me. I say one, big two. Um, so big we're talking two. about year 2000, year 2001, Kid A and Amnesiac by Radiohead. So their third and fourth album. It's really a double album, isn't it? I mean, it's split between two. But they record. it's all recorded in the same sessions, at least. Yeah, it's, all, it's all the same session sessions. Yeah, I th- um, I would probably say Amnesiac is probably more of a the B sides to to the sessions than than them being a, a body of work together. Personally, interesting, interesting. <laughs> um, but yeah, we like B sides. But yeah, Kid A is yeah. If you if you're going to talk about again the big Radiohead albums, it's OK Computer mm. and Kid A. Part of that, I think, is because Kid A follows OK Computer and they had so yeah. much hype. Um, they had a lot of attention, yeah. I think it's notable to say that a lot of bands around the time post OK Computer sort of went for the sort of Radiohead, Rocky feel. Yeah. They, that was like the template for alt rock in the UK and the US for a bit. Uh, and I think yeah. it drove Tom York fucking nuts. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. He fucking yeah. hated it. <laughs> <laughs> it seems it seems that way. Um, um, I think you can tell I when think, you listen think, to this album. Well, yeah. So, so you know, the, the the kind of obvious thing to say about Kid A is is that it's a big it's a big stylistic change um, from OK Computer, and I think twenty years later, twenty one years later. We know that. We know it's a big. We know it's yeah. a big change. We know there was a big change, um, and I think the more interesting thing to talk about in terms of okay, in terms of Kid A, is 
how successfully do they do that rather than how shocking is it um and how comfortably how much do they remain radiohead and how much of a good album is it um for me personally and again you know you'll hear me say multiple songs are my favorite radiohead album uh, song you'll probably hear me say multiple albums are my favorite radiohead album or they're different, they're, you know, one of them is one of my favourite albums ever, and one of them is my favourite album of the decade, and, you know, all sorts of things like that. So just just be aware of that. Kid A would probably be in my top ten albums um, ever. It means a lot to me. Do you want to hear a little story? Yeah, go on. A little story. It's a little quick story. So I, I, I you know, I got into um, OK Computer when I was 15, and uh, I very much enjoyed it. <clears throat> and then on New Year's Eve... 2003 me and my family went to a caravan uh, park and i'm very lucky to have been taken on a lovely trip to a caravan park okay let's 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 be no let's shade be clear about that no shade to caravan park there's no no i'm not saying that at all i'm not saying that at all very grateful for that um but i personally was 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 quite depressed at the time i was in a quite i was you know i was in a, in a very 15 year old way i was in a quite a quite a low period and feeling not great and not happy to be in a caravan caravan park somewhere near the seaside for new year's eve at all um and i think on new year's eve i think we were maybe there for two days on new year's eve we went somewhere and i bought kid a and it was so amazingly consoling for me like the sound of it just i mean it's it's i can i can just go right back there i was listening to it in the car on the way home when it was dark the sun had gone down and the way that the the way that the title track the second song on the album the synths and the sounds descend over it that's where i get all the snowiness and just like feeling lulled to sleep in the nighttime it's the most comforting thing in the whole world for me um so the idea of this being like a an idm album and an experimental album and a mad a difficult album. album yeah a difficult album for me it was exactly what i needed at that point in time and so i find this to be such a a comforting place to be um and a lot of the time the sounds are so not inhuman but non-human you know they they um it it sounds you know the the voices you're hearing are heavily manipulated you're not hearing guitars you're not hearing necessarily many performances on this album you're hearing a lot of stuff kind of pieced together and boiled down and and you know you can tell there's masses of jams and things like that that went on that they condensed down to these songs even so, Kid A in particular, the the title track, I just find to be just such such a nice place to be, and it is somewhere. It's you know, it's one of those songs that built a little place in my mind, and it you know, it's a it's a place I can go. It makes me very very happy. This album, it means a huge 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 amount to me. Um, what what is Kid A for you? Are you are you like oh, it's a, it's it's amazing, or are you like it's fine, or I think for me. I view Kid A and Amnesiac tied together as my favourite Radiohead albums. 
Ooh. Um, I think everything in its right place is the start of my second favourite genre of Radiohead song, which I've coined Wombhead. Because it sounds as if it's the specific Radiohead songs and it sort of begins in this and then it continues throughout the discography. Um, Songs that are just like so comforting and they sound as if they've been made in a body almost. The the sort of beats kind of overwhelm you. They sort of rap. They're like, it's... It's like it's kind of in your head as opposed to... It, it definitely doesn't sound like it was ever recorded in a studio. It sounds like... No way. Um, they got together and recorded it in your ear canals. Um, oh, Graham, I love it. But yeah, everything in its right place is also so perfectly pieced together. It's like a lovely... All the layers of the song are perfect. And I feel like yes. that has to be, a lot of that has to be Nigel coming in with their ideas and tweaking and helping them expand and blah, blah, blah. I think also I th- they it was very experimental, they're making this album. I think they had loads of ideas. And he came yeah, in. Yeah, I and think there was tons of material. It. Mm. If, if I'm talking about um, Amnesiac being a B-side album to Kid A, that, you know, two of the songs on that album have an EP of B-sides. You know, there's there's yeah. tons and tons of material that we will never hear. And um, In fact, listening to a little interview with Ed O'Brien, uh, he said that he didn't even, or the band didn't even really know about everything in its right place. I think Tom and Nigel went off and did it together, and the response was definitely not, why, why are you making music without us? It was... Wow, this is going yeah. to be amazing! This album, you know, um, everything in its right place is is actually always my my um, tester for new headphones. Yeah, that's a good song. To see if they can handle it, mm. because when the when when it goes from being the little notes to the core, sounds better than that. Um, it always distorts on headphones. So if I get if I get headphones where that doesn't distort, I'm like. We're we're onto we're onto a winner here. Um, I think I think that was actually the song that got me into Radiohead. Strangely enough, there were a lot of because two thousand three was the year Hell to the Thief came out, so there were a lot of live shows on on TV. Right, and I remember turning on the channel and they were doing everything in its right place, and you know, all the members of the band like nobody's playing a guitar; they're all like kneeling on the floor playing around mm. with, with pedal Pedals boards and, and the, keyboards. Yeah. I was like. Is, this is Radiohead, you know, I couldn't believe. And so hearing the studio version for the first time, which is so much calmer, you know, when they play it live, it's really, it's, you know, they're trying to make it as mad as possible. And yeah. and um, Tom's vocals are really blaring, but it's so, like you say, so calm and, and, and so gentle on the album. Um, there is a bit of a kind of carrying over from no surprises but in a completely different way a bit of a lullaby feeling to to Kere, do you think definitely it feels like it also feels like it's a lullaby for things are starting to get a bit bad worldwide <laughs> they're kind sure. of like coming in and you know things are starting to sort of on the way to the post-apocalyptic world that we live in now um sure it's 
it, it was funny what you said about the album covers and sort of, you know, OK Computer being very sort of white and like, this is very, it's probably just because, you know, the album artwork for this is so synonymous with the album. But yeah. those deep reds and blacks and things mixed in oh, with yeah. the white, it's like we're taking that sound and we're sort of, we're pushing it, we're pushing it a bit, pushing it a bit. And then by the time you get to Amnesiac, it's just like red and black. We've gone in. They've yes. gone like all the way in. Yes. You know? Yes. Um, yes. I think it's interesting. It's sort of another song I quite like. Optimistic. It's the start of them doing very like wide, sprawling Americana style guitars. Sure. And I feel yeah. like they have a lot of songs on each album since that have like a sort of a song that sounds like they're on top of like a mountain or somewhere sort of just going for it. You know, they, they like to have at least like one, yeah, like one you know, rock song, but they're kind of rock songs are more bass, if that makes sense. You know, the way he records it. Yeah, it's it's weird to be the most rockinest song on Kid A. Mm. Um, uh, yeah, I'm yeah, optimistic into into um, uh, oh dear, what's it called? Um, I don't know. <laughs> Sorry, guys, I've never actually listened to Kid A. Yeah, sorry guys. Yeah, hon. Marco, edit. <laughs> um, yes, no, no. Okay. Uh, optimistic into in limbo. Mm. That's that's probably my favourite little bit of Radiohead there. Um, uh, because yeah, optimistic is this weirdly mountainous sounding thing. In limbo just sounds like it's the bottom of the ocean. Like it's it's so. Again, pitch black and lush, but weirdly blissed out and dreamy. Also, it, uh, one thing to note on this on this album is there is a band playing on it. Mm. Everybody, you know, nobody nobody on this album is doing nothing. There is a band, and they do play together. And Phil Selway sounds great on it, and Colin Greenwood sounds great on it. Um, and like, even when you see Idiotech live you know for all for for all intents and purposes it's an idm song but when you see them play it live those the kind of synths on the verses it's guitar they're you know they're 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 they are a rock band they're using the rock band to make a different kind of music and i can understand why you know do radiohead fellow Glastonbury headliners want to be a Travis, I think they want to be Bjork or mm. Massive Attack or, like you say, Mogwai or, or Pink Floyd. Uh, Porter's Head. Yeah, or Pink Floyd. Um, but I, th- I think they want to be, you know, in- associated more with people like Uncle or or Boards of Canada or Orteca or Aphex Twin. And bigger than one um, album, I think, as well. Yes, yes, um, yeah. Kind of. Why follow up the biggest rock album with a with a with a with a not with as good rock, rock album? album. Um, no. But the songs on Kid A are just so good. Okay, but what? Okay, just before we move on to to Amnesiac properly, what about the um, the, the the sound, um, the god the god richiness, the ni- the Nigelisms? I think it's most apparent on this album. It's like. I think it's because this is 
I don't know, would you call this their most experimental album? I pr- probably... Amnesiac probably, is also quite experimental, I guess. Yeah, I don't know if I would call it their most experimental album, because I think, you know, what is it? It's 40 minutes? It's mm. not a... You know, it probably is born of the most experimentation. We might probably come to their most experimental album later, I think. Mm. Um, but it sounds like they, you know, the, the, rather than it being a album about songwriting it's about making loads and loads and loads and loads of music and then getting everything that isn't kid a gotten rid of kind of thing and then you're just left with all the bits that are kid a um but i just i just think what 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 nigel does on this is obviously make all these experiments into songs and i think he knows when to say the album's done yeah, uh, and he knows what to get rid of and what doesn't need to be on an album, but also he makes it this like place. You know, he he really turns it into somewhere you can see, and that has you know the sky has a certain color there, and it's you can you can hear things other than the music. Um, yeah, it's just Kid A is just a it's just a wonderful place to be, lovely place to be. Um, yeah, I think. He he gives it atmosphere that they probably Absolutely. maybe wouldn't have been able to do with someone else, or if they did, had chosen someone else, maybe they would have given them, like the wrong atmosphere. But this album has yes. the right atmosphere. It's, it's it's not too spooky. It's a bit spooky. No, um, it's not too sad. You know, bits. I mean, they called one of the songs optimistic, but like bits are optimistic and happy. Bits are sort of more mourning for it's a bit of a mix it is a bit of a, yeah well exactly it's not it's not a you know it's radiohead and never the dreary band it's just it's just not how i see them at all i think that's just the how to disappear completely yes yeah um how to disappear completely is a sad moment on the album it's also a completely stunning song mm. and the way that they the way that the drums and the bass and and kind of swoop in and out when when it suits it is amazing. Um, National anthem turns into a total racket, um, but and, and and so or like like morning bell, that is like sub zero cold. Mm. That song, that is that is that is pitch black to me. Um, but again. In that pleasantly spooky, comforting, nice, warm, inviting way. I don't know how they do it. I don't know how they do it here. Um, yeah, love you, love you, kid. I eh? um, always. So, so amnesiac. Uh, yeah. Following year, uh, round two. What, what's your sort of relationship with this one then? How did you feel uh, listening to this after kid? A? Eh? Well, so this this was the album I got. Yeah, if if I got if I got Kid A, um, New Year's Eve, two thousand and three. I got this for my birthday, which is in March, mm. two thousand and four. Um, and I was over the moon to hear this album again. I'm calling it B sides to Kid A. Doesn't mean I don't absolutely love Amnesiac. Um, and I I, I think it pretty much 
started straight away. Um, another, this is my favourite Radiohead song, is uh, Pack Like Sardines in a Crushed Tin Box. Mm. Um, I, I just, I, I bloody love that song. <laughs> um, like, fr- from the second it starts with the odd... Almost always makes me think of snowboarding. That song, I don't know why. It's like a sort of like a cowbell you can hear very vaguely starting it off. Um, and I, I will say, listening to it this time, this is you know, packed like sardines. Maybe it sounds a bit dated. Maybe it's maybe it's like the the dated side of Radiohead's experimentation. Doesn't mean it's not my favorite Radiohead song because it is, as are other songs. Um, and I was totally obsessed with the Pyramid song at the time. I, 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 I think that's a love. I mean, that's a Nigel Godrich masterclass. That is it not? I mean, the the drum sounds and the string sounds, the drama on the pianos. Oh my god! I think that's one of their most cinematic um, songs. Yes. Oh god! Yeah. When when that doom 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 kind of comes in at the end and it all drops. Uh, 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 Exit music style, hmm. but instead of it being that big, you know, very chunky keyboard, it's like this weirdly uplifting funeral procession. You know what I mean? With the black horses and everything, it's just like whoa! It's amazing. Um, but the song I was obsessed with at the time was "Revolving Doors," Pog Pull. Um, that is because I think I'd never such a heavy song. Go go go. Yes, yes. It's, the beats are crushing. They're crushes, yeah. And at the time, at 16, I'd never heard IDM or anything like that before. So this must be like the first kind of IDM tune I ever heard. And I was just... I was obs- I could not stop listening to this song. Um, and I think, I think probably a lot of people think it's rubbish or throwaway, but I don't think that... <laughs> It is, yeah, like you say, it 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 totally crushes. It's it's pulverizing and relentless. That song, I, I I just love it. Listening to it the other day on my speakers, it's just that was a that was a happy time. Um, so that's always put me in good stead for the album. What do you think about the rest of Amnesiac? Um, I sort of quite like. Um, I might be wrong. Feels like optimistic part two almost. Again, sure. again, it's their sort of big, wide open rock song kind of thing. It also goes, I mean, it's like clockwork, that song. It yeah. is like mathematically perfect mm. the way it moves from phase to phase, brings in and takes out elements. And somehow, without it being a big dramatic song, has dramatic moments. Mm. And then I do, I th- no, go on. I was just going to say, you and whose army. Um, mm. I think that's when you see a big change for Tom and the way that they record yeah. Tom. Um, so before, I think I think you can still kind of hear, you know, on 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 um, OK Computer, you can still hear the Tom York who did Creep singing, you know, because he's very, like, full-throated. Um, again, I'm headlining Glastonbury with a lot of his vocals. Um but on you and whose army he's mic'd really really closely in a croonerish way so there's there's this sort of like syrupy sweet sound to his to his vocals and a very vintagey sound to the extent that that song starts with starts with a little breath 
mm. you know, because he's because he's so closely closely mic'd. Um, and then you get his his more falsetto backing vocals coming in. That's Tom for the next, you know, 15, 20 years of his of his vocals. That's how he gets used more and more. And we'll speak about that when we talk about his solo albums and stuff. But I just think that's a bit of a watershed moment for how Nigel Godrich records Tom York and, and, and deploys his uh, voice in these songs. I think Knives Out is the last sort of clean like expensive sounding mm. radiohead song yeah very very poppy rocky song I th- I, a, a, a much beloved song not one i've ever really gotten into myself i think they said they spent a year trying to get it down because they just didn't want to overdo it you know it was such a straightforward song compared to the rest of the stuff they were working on they were they were so worried yeah. about you know messing it up um, and I can understand Aww. that compared to the rest, you know, because everything else is a bit more. When you, also when you get past Knives Out to the sort of second half of the album, things get a bit looser. You know, Definitely. Morning Bell, Amnesiac, Dollars and Cents, Hunting Bears, they're all kind of a bit weirder. They're weirder, I, and I think it is actually quite nice the inclusion of of, of Morning Bell, Amnesiac. Mm. Not the best Radiohead song by any means, but. Like the idea that you can take that ice cold and tightly wound song on Kid A and make it this big, cobwebby, loose, haunted mm. grandfather clock sounding thing on this album. And what do they even do to to change it? It's just you know, it's it's the same vocal, it's the same song, but all the music changes and the mood and everything is 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 totally transformed. Um, you know, just as just as like a, a production showcase between those two things, taking the same song and having it uh, unrecognizable, other than the vocal melody and the lyrics, is is pretty amazing. Um, this time around is the least I've ever enjoyed life in a glass house. Oh, really? It really did my head in. I don't know why. I mean, it's you know, it's it's a great recording and um, the the little uh, jazz. Uh, arrangement they've got going is is really cool and you know i think if you started kid a with life in a glass house that would have been way more shocking than than uh, everything in its right place coming yeah. after um coming after okay computer you'd just be like what a, like a <laughs> jazz quartet is on this out what's going on um but i don't know it's really it, it, it did my head in the end i don't i don't know why not fair because it's it's a good song I think um, I found it tough listening to Like Spinning Plates just because <laughs> that's another that, like thing that I don't know if it's Tom or Nigel, but so, or some someone in the band is obsessed with things being backwards, backward beats, backward <laughs> sounds. And this is yeah. like the kind of the ultimate backwards beats, I think. The original backwards beats. Yeah, the original maybe. Yeah, the original. Um, but I've written in my notes like this is depression like it's such a fucking rim song it's so good um, yeah or, and the, the, what about the live version on the on the, the I Might Be Wrong EP I mean that is that's pretty amazing have you heard that yeah the I Might Be Wrong EP in general is pretty good <laughs> I love it yeah I love it um, um 
But yeah, I think. But I mean, yeah, it's 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 I, it's I not what you meant not, now. See what you mean? Yeah, about I'm not music. saying. Look, that's what I'm saying. I'm not saying it's or it's it's of a, it's a poor quality or anything like that. But you know, Kid A is a thing. Here is Kid A. I can put it on a plate and give it to you because it's one thing. Whereas, you know, the, I think the only relationship they really share is they obviously they come from the same um, sessions, but the mood between songs varies so 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 much. Um, and it's more about his. I, 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 but I like that about it. It's 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 much more openly and brazenly his experiments his sounds we made his sounds that radiohead wouldn't have made before and actually inform what radiohead is and how you feel about them Mm. a lot of my a lot of my how radiohead is in my mind does come from amnesiac i I do think it's a it it has a it has a tone and it and it just drops things into the radiohead sound that says okay this is acceptable for radiohead to do and so's this and so's this and so's this you know, uh, packed like sardines. That's that's. This is an example of a Radiohead song. Okay, so that's what they do. So just so you know, that's what they sound like. But they also sound like just. Yeah, just. Um. <laughs> <laughs> so following those two big albums, we're going to go back in time again a bit now. Uh, we're going to cover artists that we've covered a bit before. Um, it's hmm. one of my favourite artists. Uh, the magical Mr. Beck. Um, I'm liking that he's popping up so much in these podcasts. Yes. Um, and you know what it says to me actually, because he he previously popped up in um in our Danger Mouse episode. Hmm. There is a bit of a similarity between Nigel Godrich and Danger Mouse, I think, and we we maybe we'll come on to that at the end of the episode. Mm. I do think they have a similarity of approach, um, personally. Um, I can kind of see why Beck might have gone from Nigel Godrich to Danger Mouse. Yeah. Um, off the back of these albums, really. Um, so we've got... Mutations um, stuff was... <clears throat> no, I'm stepping on your toes, actually. I'll, I'll let right. you do that link properly. <laughs> so we've got Mutations in 1999. Um, and this was the album that followed Odelay, which was his kind of breakthrough, breakthrough album. Um, so that was his fifth album. And that was sort of, sort of heavy sampling and sort of cut up vocals and a sort of hip hoppy, rocky kind of raucous vibe. Um, Mutations is, is, a, is a different kind of beast, as you would expect working with Nigel. Um, Very different. Had you heard any of these uh, tracks before? No, no. Um, well, I, the only familiarity I have with this album is the album cover. Honestly, don't know. Didn't didn't know much about it beyond that. Definitely didn't know that. I, I didn't know that Nigel Godrich had done any Beck albums other than Sea Change. So this was this was very much coming to it for the first time for me. Are you a bit more familiar with this one, Graham? I think I was only familiar with Lazy Flies, the third track. Um, right. I don't know if maybe I just at some point listened to all of Beck's discography and then picked that as the song I wanted to obsess over um, oh, like sure. many years ago. Um, but I, I quite enjoyed listening to this one. It's I like how every Beck album is a departure from the last. 
in sure. some way or some form. Some of them more so than others. This one definitely, you know, it's a bit more emotional. Um, it's a bit more melancholic. Uh, it's weirdly, it's got a cowboy vibe. It does have a cowboy vibe, yes. Uh, like a honky tonk. Um, in a folky way. Yeah. Um, what did you think? Yeah, of it? It, you know what it is actually. I found with this album, it's 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 that it's somewhere between that cowboy vibe and also a bit of a British sixties pop psychedelic pop kind of thing going mm. on. Um, there is a bit. I, I don't know throughout it, it gave me a bit of a British vibe, particularly on Lazy Flies um, and a handful of other songs. Um, yeah, this was. I, 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 I found it hard to get my head around this album, um, honestly. This was, this was one of the trickier ones. I did, I did kind of, after listening to it, I, tr- I, did, I did come back to it and, and try to get a bit more of a handle on it. <clears throat> but I, I did find it a bit slippery um, and hard to, hard to, to pin down and say, what, what, what is this album? What does it do? Um, I think the main thing I got from this was that it, it, it kind of similarly to um, uh, Karma Police being a big song for Nigel going forward production-wise. I think working with Beck um, and his, particularly his drummer, Joey, mm. Joey Waronka, I don't think he named himself. Um, I, th- I think... Because... Joey kind of pops up a lot throughout these albums right. after this point. He works he works with with Nigel Loads. Mm. He's in Atoms for Peace. Um he's in Ultra Easter. Uh and he he uses him as as a, as a as a as a musician lots and lots and lots and lots. And I think he ends up being the Roger Waters drummer uh, as well, Roger Waters. And I think I think he likes this drummer and I think he likes his approach. Yeah. And I think he likes the way he, he, he performs, the way he tunes his drums and I just I just I just think he's got an affinity here. Um so I think as far as Nigel is concerned, this is a big album uh, for influencing his sound and how it goes on throughout. I think he t- he takes this and, and really, really r- runs with it. Um What about you? So 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 this was this was the first time you were really digging into it properly. Yeah. And I found it to be a bit more looser than some of like Nigel's previous stuff. I think that's more probably because Beck is slightly more, you know, kind of knows what he wants. And I don't don't think Beck's going to turn around and be like, yeah, I think, you know, he's probably a great collaborator, but ultimately he's going to record the songs he wants to record, you know? Yeah. Um, So it's not, I wouldn't say like it's a solid album. It feels a bit sort of, it, it it gets a bit silly. Okay, yeah, yeah. You know, with all the sort of honky tonk piano and stuff, and the sort of sure. weird elements. I think this is the album. It feels like this is the album where like Nigel has had the most fun, just throwing in the kitchen sink. You know, just putting yeah. every single little sort of instrument he can think of, little tricks and things in the studio. Yeah, it sounds like very much like a studio trickery album kind of thing, if that makes sense. 
like a pick and mix. Definitely. Yes, and and I think I think maybe the 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 well because I think Beck writes robust enough songs that they can they can bear the weight of of this of this of this slightly loopier production. You know, it's they're not going to collapse yeah. under that because they are they're simple and strong enough on their own. You know, yeah. he could record an acoustic album with these songs, and you know you go ah good good songs, um, but. Nigel Godrich comes in and adds all this other stuff, um, and it and it does work nicely for the most part. But yeah, it does mean it's a bit. It's it's just a bit. Sometimes it just kind of goes off the rails a little bit. But I struggled enough to. I didn't struggle. I didn't struggle to enjoy it. I you know it was, it, I thought this was a good album. But I struggled enough to identify it and get get my head around it enough that I probably will come back to it. Um, yeah, because it is, you know, I, I definitely because I think I've never, I don't like, I don't like Odelay, um, mm. Mellow Gold, and I, I don't mind um, Midnight. Is it Midnight Vultures or? Um, I love Midnight Vultures. That's pretty. That's pretty good. I like Sex Laws and stuff. Um, but the kind of like two turntables and a microphone. Yeah. Uh, loser Beck. Dust Brothers. Uh, Dust Brothers approach. Yeah. That, Okay, uh, well, maybe we'll come back to the Dust Brothers one of these days. That might be nice. Um, yeah, the more hip hop sample Yeah, I've I've tried with those albums and they don't do a lot for me. I definitely prefer this sort of stuff. Mm. Um, yeah, Mutations. Mutations, it's all right. Um, <laughs> it's all right. <laughs> it's all right, but, um, So, yeah, after this, he does Midnight Vultures, which is, again, a massive departure. It's, it's like he's... Um, Kind of like more of the Odelay vibe, um, super weird, funky, sexy stuff. Yeah, white boy funk kind of thing. And then directly after that album, or that tour, or at some point in that album, um, he breaks up with his longtime girlfriend, gets very, Ouch. very depressed, uh, and writes the beautiful album Sea Change, which is our second Ooh, yeah. Nigel Godrich Beck production. Um, and his, it was, it's like him being mature. <laughs> yeah. It's okay. his like mature yeah, album, okay. right? It's, it's sort of his saying, yeah. I, I have emotions and I'm not just about, yeah. um, cut up folks, scratch folks. 35. Yeah. 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 Um, it's, uh, it's, it's a pretty amazing album. <laughs> it's, and, and I, and I do think it, it's a definitive Nigel Godrich album. Yeah. Um, you put it on and instantly it's like if you've listened to a couple of, of albums that Nigel Godrich has produced this is so clearly produced by him you know um, the the very very f- flat like like I suppose the drum sound I'm talking about f- from Joey Waronka is it's almost like a deadpan sound almost comedically deadpan mm. um, where it, it's you know he likes a very prodded kind of sound but that 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 the snare drum um well the, the drums generally you can't hear the room at all as soon as there's you can, all you can hear is the drum being hit you don't hear any resonance from them at all yeah so every every single every single hit just goes um to the point where it almost sounds like a like a joke that it's that it's that dead um but a bit but they sound lovely um 
and the way the, the the bass kind of walks along with them as well. But a big thing on this, I thought, you know, they're sad songs. There's a lot of acoustic stuff. Lovely string instrumentation on it. I think lovely it, orchestral stuff. It's nice that it, it it's like live instrumentation. It's nice to hear that from Nigel having being able to deal yeah. with that after you know yes some sort of more bleepy bloopy studio Radiohead <laughs> albums. Um, but it's also right, nice right, to have right. Beck Beck also in the mix with live instruments and there's just like a feeling to these songs. They feel a bit more real. Um, there's more to them. There's more meat on the bones, even though they're very subtle and very quite slow and ballad. They're ballads, aren't they? They are. I think. I think the the um, the template for a lot of these songs is uh, "Dear Prudence" by the Beatles, where mm. they they're just those kind of like very melancholy, slowly building and efflorescing uh, songs that just that just get kind of more and more glorious as they go along. The way these little little extra bits are added, I'm not saying they all sound like that song, but they all kind of build in that in that way. A lot of them do. Um, the only there's maybe two songs that are kind of deviate from that paper tiger yeah which i suppose that's that that's almost like again optimistic being the most rockinest song on on kid a this is the rockinest song from from sea change yeah but it's still very still very, very subtle mellow. isn't it yeah yeah um and sunday sun not not a, not a great song on the, on the track list um but other than that, it is it is more or less very super melancholy, sometimes heartbreaking, but so beautiful um, acoustic folk songs. Um, I did want to mention on Sunday Sun, it's it's the biggest, it's the strangest example of this, but it is kind of present on on this and and and, and elsewhere on this on this album. <laughs> sometimes Beck's diction is very strange. Mm. Um, he goes a bit. He goes a bit sort of droopy. The dog sometimes. Um, you know, he's he's a bit like looking for a satellite in the rays of heaven again. It's like, what are you saying? <laughs> like, if you listen, like listen to Sunday Sun. His vocals are, I I think, totally bizarre. Like, <laughs> I don't know what he's doing and why that makes it to the album. Um, but he's he's like he's like he's got his tongue in the back of his throat. Like, um, I don't know what's going on with him. I don't know if uh, he's like slurring his words or something. But there's some there's some strange stuff going on there. Um, just had to point it out, Graham. I can't not. Yeah, yeah, that's fair enough. Um, I did think that Lost Cause was sounded very Nigely. Um, right. Lost Cause had so much sort of like soundyscapey bits. Mixed in sure, sure. with like the beautiful like acoustic guitar and strings. Um, I'd say this is like Beck's defining album, right? Ooh. This is the one that people are like, you either like this Beck or this Beck. You know, you either like right, okay, Sea Change. You either like Overlay, yeah, or, yeah, or or the other stuff. And it's kind of like his most, his most critically acclaimed, or is that Morning Sun? I wouldn't know because I mean, Mutations is 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 seen by a lot of people as a classic album, and mm. and so is Mellow Gold. Um, yeah, I th- people just like Beck. People like him. They love you him. know he's, he's nice bloke. much beloved Beck. Um, um, but yeah, I I just I think this is a pretty beautiful album. Maybe maybe it's a little bit long. I suppose is the only 
criticism I could make of it, really. Um, so next, we they hook up a couple of years later in 2006 with The Information, which is a... Great title. It's a nuts album, I thought. It's nuts. <laughs> this is a, it's nutty. Um, which was after... Guero, which was quite a big album. Um, yeah. Had some like cool tunes on that one. But this one, I feel it doesn't have some of the big Beck singles. It has singles, but they're not as notable as some of his other ones. I, I definitely see this album as much more of a production experiment. Yeah. Um, where, like, it, it what, what, see, you say, okay, so this is a nutty album. And. But I think it's almost like a nutty... I think it's disguised as a nutty album. Um, because it sounds like, oh, the big, mad, sprawling album. But it, it's actually got quite a lot of songs on it. There's lots of... There's probably, what is it, like 15 songs or something. So there's quite a few songs on this album. Um, and what, the, the, thing, the final track is 10 minutes long, and five minutes of that is two blokes talking about a spaceship. Um, but otherwise... <laughs> The songs are not that they're they're quite short songs and there's lots of them, yeah. and they're they're pretty normal straightforward songs. Um, you know, it'd be like a little riff and a verse and a chorus and an ending. And again, I think this is where Beck's songwriting being simple and strong enough to take the strain and let all this mad production go over the top of it. So it means on these very simple songs all this mad production is just dumped on top of them. So it's it's just full of sounds that happen once and mad keyboard sounds and instruments that only play once. And there's 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 kind of lots going on sound-wise, but the songs themselves are, are really quite pared down. I think this is one of the greatest departures for Nigel in terms of how he works or what he likes to do. Because I think... it. it as far as I'm aware, it was him that came to Beck and said, "Look, I want to make a hip hop album." Sure. Um, you know, I, you know, we so we've kind of covered the emotional, sort of soft stuff. But he wanted to have a stab at the other kind of Beck, you know. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. I can and see if that. Anything. It, yeah, it, it's okay. got so many samples and things. It, it's it's even more sample heavy than his other stuff with the Dust Brothers and things. Yeah. It's got. Uh, it, I think you're right. It does kind of sound like a studio experiment i think they had quite a tough time getting through it because i think they just they recorded so much and had so much stuff it just couldn't and i think it shows in some of the songs you know they're not all incredibly strong um no they are good you know again it, i enjoyed it's it beck and he's a great songwriter and because nigel is an incredible producer it sounds amazing it's just yeah it just, as a whole it isn't no, it it didn't leave that much it's of a just, mark with me. There's a lot of it. Yeah, it's you know it's an hour long. Um, yeah, but I I mean I think it's it's it is nice to hear um, uh, Nigel Godrich letting his hair down a bit and and kind of cutting loose because I I can imagine him being quite a controlling presence in the in the um, and quite a stressed person in the um, <laughs> <laughs> in the studio. Um, I did want to note, uh, I just wanted to note Beck and Nigel Godrich's actual credits on this album. 
Yeah, Graham. Because he co-wrote a couple, didn't uh, he? Well, he's 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 definitely just on this album a lot as a performer. So Beck is credited with vocals, acoustic guitar, electric guitar, melodica. People love hearing people reading lists of things on podcasts, don't they? Melodica, piano, organ, keyboards, programming effects, scratching, sitar, bass guitar, harmonica, kalimba, percussion, drums, drum effects, uh, the effects of drums, uh, glockenspiel and Game Boy. And Game Boy. Um, Game Boy, don't forget that Nigel Godrich uh, Credited with production, mixing, keyboards Programming, effects Scratching, tambourine uh, Percussion, background vocals Speak and spell, whistle Tote a tune Kalimba, drums and Game Boy, he had a Game Boy colour though um, But so so, I just like, like, that is the biggest credit I've seen you know, even on even on his own albums, he doesn't get. You know, he's credited with like bass and production, or you know, or keyboards and bass or something. Um, whereas on this, it's it's loads of stuff. So I think I think they're kind of like very loudly and proudly saying, "This is our mad album. Here it is. It's an yeah, hour yeah. long. It's mental. Take it. This is you us know, having it is what it is. As much fun as we can have. I, I feel like it's yeah. it's Nigel also having fun. You know, later on, later on, he he becomes you know an artist and is you know he starts his own bands, but yeah, this it, with them it still feels like he maybe he can't really do this kind of thing. But someone other than the umbrella sure. of Beck, you can kind of really do anything, and it will fit into a Beck sound. So yeah, this is definitely him letting loose, right? Absolutely, and 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 good on you, Nigel. It's glad quite, to see it. It's quite funky. It's very funky. It doesn't have yeah, the same I, 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 sort of. It's not as sexy as some of Beck's weirder funky songs. It's more just like I don't know, weird funk, spacey. Funk. Yeah, it's it's a it's a bit it's a bit more it's a bit more s- synthetic. Um, this album, but you know what? When I when I made my big all albums playlist for Nigel Godrich, I I I hit shuffle by accident, and the final track, the ten minute track, was the first song that came on. And I was like, "Whoa, we're going places on this album, on, on uh, you know, on this episode." Um, yeah, but uh, you know, the, the, these is good fun listening to these three albums. Um, and I, th- I think, you know, Beck gets three pretty distinct albums out of it. But also, Nigel, you can see, you can, you can just, you, you can see, he's learning a lot of mutations. He's making the most Nigel Godrichy Nigel Godrich album on Sea Change, hmm. and he he just goes completely wild on the information, and it's quite a nice little beginning middle end thing for him. You know, you just see you see a lot of progression for Nigel as a producer there. I think. So, after Beck, I'm gonna go back in time, 2001. The Divine Comedy. I don't know anything about the Divine Comedy. Do you, Mister Neil um, Neil Hanlon? I found myself listening to a Divine Comedy album last year. Okay. Um, uh, I can't remember why, but it's not 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 really my 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 kind of thing. But not not bad. It's just it's just like, again. It's I think we spoke about it on the last episode. Singer songwriter stuff doesn't really do a lot for me. Mm. Um. So, but it was quite you know so. But I was happy to see him pop up here to say, okay, we're going to get a different a different yep. flavour. And I will just say, 
I did listen to a couple. I've, I just flicked through the album after this and the album before this in his discography. Yeah. Because I just wanted to hear what is he, what carries over and what changes. They sound nothing like this album at all. Like the album after this sounds like Bond themes, and the one before this is like is like p- police chase music or something. Like it, it's completely nothing like this album. So I just wanted to know how much, how Godrichy is this album really? Um, so what, did, what did you think, Graham? Yeah, Regeneration, the seventh studio album. I just found it to be a bit kind of, I don't know. <laughs> like, like he was like, get me the OK Computer guy. Really? OK, yeah, fair enough. You know, and, and, and that didn't, it, it didn't really do much for me. Um, yeah. It's very sombre, isn't it? Sort of downbeat. Uh, quite downbeat. Which is not 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 really a problem for me. Well, it's not um, bad, but it, but it, I, I didn't. It's not that interesting to me. Sure. Um, well, the yeah, uh, the songs themselves really don't do a lot for me, and the lyrics I, I just thought were r- ridiculous. You know, I, I, it, it's it's why it's probably why I like Radiohead so much is that they're you know I can't really understand their lyrics, so I can imagine that they're better than they possibly are. Um, yeah. But on on this album, very starkly clear, just how stupid <laughs> these these lyrics are. Um, but you know, he's doing a singer songwriter thing where he's like a man with an acoustic guitar singing a song about stuff. Um, and Nigel Godrich gets to completely smother them in Nigel Godrichiness. Um, yeah, I thought at least uh, you know, Eye of the Needle sounded quite. Nigel Godrichy, you know, sound textures yes. and all this sort of stuff going on in the background. Yeah, there was a little stretch of perfect love song, note to self, lost property, and I the I the needle, where I, I just thought you 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 kind of got it all from Nigel Godrich. Perfect love song had all these silly lyrics about I'm going to make a perfect love song and it's going to have a Beatles bass line and a Beach Boys harmony and all, um, but so. <laughs> <laughs> so um so but but Nigel Godrich kind of made that the song he was describing happen, you know? So he's got this amazing flute section and 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 yeah. you know, it just completely soars. I actually really liked the song um Lost Property. I thought it was a really beautiful song on its own, but the Nigel production it just passes through that song like a snowstorm. It's 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 just it's you know it's a pretty bare bones, simple, chilled out acoustic song. But all all the Nigel Godrichiness just just kind of like you 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 see it kind of hove into view, and it it just puts this blizzard over the song, and then it just drifts away. I I I, I thought that was a bit of a of a magnificent construction, you know, in the studio. Mm-hmm. Um, the the last few songs, I think Nigel Godrich kind of drifted away a little bit. He didn't dominate quite so much, and so they were just like some songs by a man. <laughs> yeah. Um, yes. Yeah. So to divine comedy, um, not that funny. Um, not that funny. Next year, two thousand two, we've got uh, Brazzaville. The album Rouge on Pockmarked Cheeks. Let's make sure I got that right. Um, yes. I didn't realise Brazzaville, so that is um, 
mainly led by David Arthur Brown, who at one point was the um, saxophonist for Beck. From oh, 1997 okay. So I imagine that's how okay. they sort of met. Um, yeah. This is like a different, like, this is a different kind of side of the singer-songwriter from Divine yeah. Comedy. This is more lo-fi, bedroom pop, that kind of thing. Um, what did you think of this album? Um, very much not my kind of thing. Yeah. Um, but, uh, and, and things definitely turn me off it. Some elements of it really turn me off. Um, but also, because there's more than one producer on this, and I couldn't find the production credits to really say who did what on what song so specifically. Yeah. So... So I it did it did sound a bit different for a Nigel Godrich album. It didn't have the the typical touches, I didn't think. Um, but I thought this this created a mood and an atmosphere really nicely. It's like that kind of rainy day at the beach kind of kind of feeling, like like a like a, a being on a date with someone and you're constantly having to flee whatever you're doing because of sudden rain or something like that. And you find yourself. Oh, we we had to we had to run away, and we found ourselves in this place, you know, and that's where we had to spend the rest of the day, kind of thing. Um, you just got the feeling of of like kind of tooling around quite glumly around New York on a on a rainy day, which I I quite liked. Um, the only thing that just and, and also sorry that there, there was there was some really nice. Uh, I think it was on North Korea Town. Some great. Um, violin playing that sounded like you say it being the bedroom pop kind of thing yeah. sounded much more live and in the room and that violin just sounded like it was being played in the corner of whatever room they were they were in um but this the singer really kind of did my head in he had this kind of a, kind of thing going on where like he's there's a bit where he talks about washington and DC, like every, where well, I feel like he's like he's like putting a, vo- a voice on a little bit, like a fake baritone, and that got a bit, that got a bit monotonous after a while. Overall, though, I think the the mood was so well conjured that I, I give this one a pass, as they say. What what did you think, Graham? I, I liked it, but I just I, it was hard to, it was weird to listen to a Nigel album that didn't sound that Nigel-y. Um, you know, it. I like lo-fi albums, but it just didn't really seem to suit him. No, we, I mean, yeah, you definitely think Nigel Godrich expensive. The albums sound very big yeah. and expensive. And this, this, this didn't. It sounded good, um, but I didn't, I didn't get a Nigel Godrich feeling from i don't think any of it really i mean the guitars sounded quite nice maybe you but even then they they, they just didn't sound like didn't sound like travis you know no no i think this was more there was nothing in this that really like spoke to me that i'd want to revisit to be honest um sorry Brazzaville. you don't want to go back there graham sorry, sorry. uh but you had you know what it's a beautiful album cover fantastic yeah, the lady in front of a motel, um, nice colours, you know, kind of looks like the album. Looks like the album sounds. There's a McDonald's in the background. 
beautiful. Yeah. Um. So yeah, those two albums. Yeah, they didn't really sit high on the list for me. Uh, but no. this next album. Um, I, I think this was the album. I most remember sort of anticipating from this list. Really. This is hailed. Oh, what, as in talk, talking about it? Um, no, actually, when it came out, anticipating its release. Um, I was very excited. Yeah, this album, I remember 2003, the build-up, 2002 or so, just couldn't wait to hear this album. Yeah. So this is Hail to the Thief, Radiohead's sixth album. Sixth album. Mm. Um, six. Do you remember the time of this coming out? Do you remember being into them? Uh, I wasn't into them when it came out, Um I got into them after this album, uh, but I think I think them being very present kind of nudged me to get into them. Like like I said, uh, you know, the, the, there being lots of Radiohead live shows being shown on TV on MTV Two and stuff. Yeah, I was like, oh, there's Radiohead. I don't think that'd be happening if this album wasn't out. But I definitely rem- definitely remember this album coming out and everyone being very excited and they're there coming on the radio and you know it's the first ever play of the new radiohead single today it's very <laughs> exciting you know um uh, so yeah def- definitely remember it being like a radiohead year like an olympic year you know i remember um it was around the time of sort of uh lime wire and you know like uh downloading songs and this was one of the first big old leaks, and oh. a lot. Uh, there was a fair, a massive leak of demos, sort of ten or ten weeks or so before they released. I remember that being a big deal, and sort of the first time you sort of heard of music when you really weren't meant to. Um, <laughs> you know. Naughty music. Yeah, and I think you know they weren't too happy about it just because the the tracks that were leaked were like you know not they weren't finished yet. Um, so I found that interesting, but I like this album just it really takes me back to the time. It's quite, yeah. it's fairly political. Oh, yeah. I mean, uh, to a certain extent, most of their albums are political, but this one is quite on its sleeves. This one's you about know. bloody Tony Blair. Tony Blair! And George you W. Bloody Bush! <laughs> bloody hell! Yes. Bloody Tony Blair and George Bush. And America um, and the UK. Yeah. And the UK. And the UK. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. So, so I mean, yeah, ly- lyrically, I suppose this is like, yeah, the, the, the kind of most, well, at least people see it as the most overtly um, political Radiohead album. I think I think that really just comes down to the title myself and maybe a, a handful of songs. Yeah, that's true. Um but what, what I mean, what, Hail to the Thief. What, do you, what is this album? What is what is what is you know where does it sit in the in the discography? I don't mean like where does it sit in your favourite albums, but like I, I think for if, me, if, if it's somewhere between this is like their last attempt at sort of trying to be Radiohead, trying to be like right. everyone's Radiohead, and I feel like all of the albums post this are then being like. This is what we wanted to do. We had a lot of fun doing it. This the music we like yeah. making together as a band. Uh, we're releasing it. You know, they're not. I, I feel like they're a bit more freer. This one still feels okay. a little bit like they're trying to make a classic album, and it maybe isn't as definitive as the albums that came before it. 
I think it, it's one of my favorite. I think it's my second favorite album of theirs. Cool. Um, okay. But it definitely feels like it just feels a bit different from the later stuff for me. It's really, really uh, uh, surprising to hear you say that. Um, not that one or two things I, I probably do agree with, but I, I, I kind of think that the opposite with this album. I, th- I think this is their most like. Let's just hash out an album, and here's an album. Take it. Um, it's the most live sounding one to me, mm. and the most like the most in the room and like. Um, you know, like like it doesn't it doesn't sound quite as laboured over as as some of their other albums. I would say more, you know, particularly um, in Rainbows, but also Moonshake Pool, they sound very, you know, s- s- like they really sweat over those albums to 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 really get them down to this very perfect pearl at the end. Whereas this has got like lots of like vibey in the moment live choices there's a bit of electricity on this you know even the way like at the very beginning you hear them kind of plug in the guitars yeah i think it's all i think it's them saying hey look look we still play guitars so don't worry about that because we've got guitars here um but it's like but the the electronics don't sound nearly as refined as on kid a um they sound a lot more performed live. Like I just imagine them surrounded by loads of wires and cables when they're making this album, um, and uh, you know them having theremins and 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 all this like weird analog um, kit with them. Um, I I feel like they could play this. Whereas you know how are they going to play some of the songs on Kid A or Amnesiac? How would they possibly play these live? I think you're kind of hearing them play these songs live. Um, yeah. And so it's got that good fun energy to it in that way for me. I I think what I meant less that the, the the later ones they they're not as crafted. I, I think more that this is their last label album. Like this is their last appealing I, right, appealing okay. to their fans album Singles. as well. Like I think yeah, this is yeah, the last yeah, album yeah. where they're thinking like about the listener. I think the albums yeah. since are them literally just making the music they want to make. Whereas before they were, I feel like this album was the last time they were sort of concerned about what people might think of them. Sure. Okay. All right. I'll, 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 t- I'll take that, Graham. I'll accept that. Because um, um, <laughs> it, it also, it so, does feel like, a, like you said, like it, it opens with them being like, we still play guitars. And it's quite yeah. a heavy, not heavy, but it, it's quite a intense. It's a dark, intense rock song. Yeah. yeah. Two, plus two plus two equals three, five. five. Um, I remember you playing me that song when the album came out as a like listen to this you yeah, know, yeah this is and that is that is a that is a great song because um, it's like th- this album also has its own because it like I'm talking about it being a very energetic live sounding album but it does have a real gloom to it and mm. the, the the way two plus two equals five starts is so. Um, when he's when he's doing the it's the devil's way, you know, it's 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 like it's like descending into hell. You know what I mean? It's it's very very dark. But then the way it, it kicks off, you've not been paying attention. It's it's just it's just so like oh, it sounds like they've sh- feels like their shoulders have like loosened up after Kid A. You know, try, trying to make this super perfect album to me. Yeah, it's, it's quite cathartic, isn't it? Like it's yeah. like them being a little bit more human again. They're human again. Um, 
Yes, Beauty and the Beast fans. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, the big single from this was There There. Um, that is a song that uh, at the time I think I found that to be quite a dull song. I don't. As the years go on, mm. that is, I love that song. I think it's, I think it's one of their absolute best. It's not one that I, that like, with a lot of their out songs, if you say it in my head instantly, I can, that's not one that I right. comes to mind. I remember it. I just think it's the, quite guitar, isn't I it? I think it's a big old rock song. It's a, yeah, it's a nice guitar song. I just love the way it just kind of slinks and moves along. Um, and like if, you've, if you've ever seen live footage of them playing it live, like half the band are playing drums, you know what I mean? It's really... Um, but when it, when it really... When it breaks down into the... Again, sounds better than that on the album. Um, into, the, into the solo and everything like that. I just feel like, excuse the term, I feel like Radiohead is really cooking at that, at that point. It's um, like Krautrocky, right? Kind of like, when, you know, when you listen to crowd yeah. rock bands and you get to the middle of the tune, you're like, yeah, they're firing on all cylinders. They're yeah. on it. Yeah, this beat yeah, is yeah. really flowing. Like, it's that kind of thing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's a, it's a crowd rock rave up, uh, basically, is, uh, is the vibe. Yeah, no, no, I know, I know what you mean. Like, and that's, I think, yeah, Radiohead get good at doing that. They get very kind of into the songs on this. Mm. I, I can't imagine what would happen in the room when sit down stand up does the raved up bit at the end and uh, you know and there's the kind of sounds they must be going mad tom must have been going mental dancing along to that it's that song in particular really makes me think of nigel's sort of controlled chaos approach where Mm, mm. the, the the beginning half of that song is so tight and controlled yeah very tense tense and it's all leading up to this build-up. And it's weird because it's like you've, you've got two songs with like this weird build-up sequence. You know, you've got yeah. the you know, rock one, and then you've got this. But they're completely different vibes. The rock one is more like emotional. This one is more just sort of like True. cold and sterile. Um, yeah, it's really interesting. The vibes on this album are weird. It's very gloomy. But not gloomy in a depressing way. Just like a creeping sense of dread. Yeah, um, I love yeah, the, the the most. So I was going to say, "Sail to the Moon" is one of my oh, favorite song. songs. Yeah, it's so. But there's like a quality to it that you can't even. It's so weird. I've written in my notes, "Vampire Lullaby." Yeah, no, good point, Graham. That's <laughs> like, what the fuck does that mean? <laughs> yeah, yeah, but that's how you. That's just how you felt in the moment, Graham. Mm. That's that's. There's nothing wrong with that. You felt like Vampire Lullaby. Um, I know. I, I sell to the moon is is definitely a, a, a top tier Radiohead song for me. Maybe not for everybody, but I, I I definitely love that song. And it's got it's just got that that atmosphere, that Radiohead thing. I can't really describe it. With, with this kind of carries over from Kid A slightly. Yeah, a bit like Pyramid um, Song, kind of. Lush, yeah, sort yeah, of. definitely. Um, and also, I well, you mentioned the the gloominess. I think the probably gloomiest radiohead song is on this album we suck young blood um, oh yeah it's that's almost comedically miserable mm. like like it, it that 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 little clap that comes in that sounds like three people kind of barely keeping in time with each other it's it's got a real like plague pit 
sound to it. Like it's, you know what I mean? It's like bring out your dead kind of thing. It's, it's, it's so <laughs> unbelievably bleak. Um, I, I think one of the more, I also, um, um, on, on what, like on the more dancey uh, tip, I'm all over the place on this album. This this album is all over the place as well, is it not? Yeah. Um, uh, back drifts, I like kind of on that that little sit down, stand up, sail to the moon, back drifts um, sequence. Yeah, I like a lot. Um, but I, a song that I never hear anybody speak about that, that I really did love when it came out was "Go to Sleep." Um, mm. It's actually one of my favourite Radiohead songs, um, and I just, I just love. Again, it gives me those, as I mentioned earlier, the Lego Playmobil vibes. I don't know why. There's something just so neat and miniature about it. But then it's got, it's got the old, you know, just paranoid android guitar freak out at the end. Yeah. Um, yeah. Any other, any other sort of key moments on this album for you, Graham? I think Mick. You'd like to shout out Mick's Metosis is sort of like the cousin of creeping up the walls but it's like angrier and it's it's less yeah. dread and more just like it's so in your face that baseline is like yeah it's almost absurdly thick and chunky that's that that synth bass i just think this is their angry album yeah bloody blair tony blair they're just a bit and they they also sound a little bit frustrated like oh not with each other just with yeah. the world, maybe. I don't know. It just sounds like they're getting out a lot well, of stuff. Well, it was it was a, it was it was a, it was a crazy time back then. Um, I, I, yeah, um, and I, you know, I'm I, 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 I'm sort of joking, but I, I you know, post nine eleven was quite a scary time. Yeah, no, it was, <laughs> it was. It was. The world just felt a bit different. Yeah, it didn't feel. It wasn't. It wasn't fun. They weren't. They weren't good vibes. It wasn't as carefree as before. No, I think this is actually an album where the band overpowered Nigel Godrich slightly. So, um, listening to, I think I listened, to, I watched an interview with Ed O'Brien and Tom York, and they said after Kid A, they were in a mood to not upset any of the other members of the band. They just wanted everybody to be happy. Yeah. Um, so they really didn't say no to anything. Um, so if somebody came up with a decent song and they they they'd worked it up to a point where it's ready for an album, it it went on the album. And they said in retrospect they would probably lose a little bit more, uh, uh, have a shorter album with fewer songs. And I think that's really normally what Nigel Godrich does for them as well. He says yeah. no 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 the album is finished. Um, but I think they kind of said no, we will break up if we <laughs> if we yeah, don't yeah. if we don't let each other have some concessions on this album. Um, so yeah, I think that's why it's it's much more of a sprawling, loose, varied, live-sounding album for me as well. I think also it does it does kind of it's the start of them starting to slightly do a little bit of like greatest hits kind of you know they're getting to the point yeah. now where they know the sort of songs they like making. Poor blimey, Graham. That was a lot. No? Yeah, a- another walloping, harrowing ride through a crazy, crazy artist discography. I mean, Nigel. Nigel. Who knew? 
I tell you what, I love putting the pressure on Graham to say something at this point in the podcast. It's just wonderful. What a discovery it is to find out what he's going to say <laughs> when I ask him what he thought of the podcast. <laughs> and I'm sure you're not disappointed either, listener. Um, yeah, I mean, we're, we've got so much more to talk about there. That 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 was a lot, um, but we're going to continue next week. Don't you know? It's almost like like with the with the Rick episode, a bit of a cliffhanger. What are we going to talk about next? You'll just have to tune in to find out next week. You might think that we were unfair, and actually, we've been nice about everyone except Travis. If you feel that we've been unfair on Travis, <laughs> which I don't, I don't think we have been. Um, we'd love to hear about that. If you want to get in touch with us, how can people do that, Graham? You can find us at Production Wise Pod on Instagram and Twitter. So, send, you know, slide into our DMs. Yeah, slide in the DMs, mate. Let us know what you think about Travis. Yeah, we'd love to know. Um, and I mean, uh, along with this episode, we're going to have a sterling, stellar, stunning, uh, st- uh, stonking playlist uh, on Spotify. Look us up on Spotify, production wise. We're going to have play. We've got playlists for every single episode that we do. The best, the worst, the strangest, the most Nigel stuff is what you're going to find in that playlist. And it's going to be up as soon as this first episode is out. Um, I would personally also encourage you to subscribe to our podcast because not only will you get part two of this fabulous exploration of Nigel, you'll get further episodes going forward into the future. They come out every Tuesday. Um, and that's when you can expect to find them. And you can subscribe anywhere you can reasonably expect to find a podcast um that's us graham that's nigel so far at least <laughs>